That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Gentlemen, and welcome to episode 232 of the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost. We might be able to pop, uh, pipe in Papa Tom a little bit later in this podcast. That remains to be seen. Full transparency, I am podcasting during the second half of, I don't know if you'd call it a game. It's uh, more of a snuff film. It's a snuff film. The Bengals are up 34-3. They just kicked a 51-yard field goal in which Cam Sutton went offsides once again on. And uh, it doesn't look good, people. It doesn't look good at all. And if you're taking bets on the Steelers, there's not a good chance that you're going to win that thing because uh, the Steelers aren't looking great right now. But if you're going to make that bet, make it at my bookie. It's not every day that you can double your money, but with my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use my promo code, which is sports drink, one word, S P O R T S D R I N K, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so that you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. That's a hell of an offer if you ask me. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. Okay, this is so far the most embarrassing loss of the Steelers' season. We'll tag on the final score to the end of this podcast because, like I said, I am podcasting while the travesty... I couldn't decide between travesty and tragedy. I guess it's both of them, but I'm podcasting while this car wreck is going on in front of my eyes. The Steelers seem to have one of these games a year where I think this is the worst Steelers loss I've ever seen. Last year, you know, it probably will be the Browns' playoff loss, just having no excuse for showing up that flat in such a massive game. I remember a 20 to three loss to the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago, might be like five years ago that actually just, it, when you watch the actual thing it was worse than the final score sounded. I'm trying to say, I could say this is the worst Steelers loss of my lifetime, but I think that'll be a bit hyperbolic. I think this just happens to be the bad loss that they have every single year. And they've had a couple, but this one, they really have no excuse. They had everybody playing, even though it looks like TJ Watt was not nearly healthy enough to be playing in this game because he's just been a shell of himself the whole game. But they basically got everyone on the field. They have all the motivation to play for because the playoff race is extremely tight. This is a big game over a team that already beat them and then taunted them when Tyler Boyd said that they gave up. 
uh, earlier in the season, which was a game that was in Pittsburgh. As I glance down at the bottom of the screen and Joe Mixon runs for about 40 yards. He had what, like 120 something in the first half alone. He's definitely on his way to 200. That's depressing. Okay. Back to the point at hand. The Steelers had all the reason to play well in this game. Tyler Boyd taunted the Steelers after the last game saying you could see them give up. They gave up. They dropped the last three passes of the game, so on and so forth. Dad and I had a discussion about this before this game where I said the Steelers should be pumped up because Tyler Boyd taunted them. And Dad said he didn't think Tyler Boyd actually taunted them or said anything inflammatory. He just pointed out the obvious that they dropped the ball. I don't totally agree with that because you don't say that about another team. That's like if the Steelers, every year when they beat the the, the Browns by 20 points, just said, hey, the Browns suck. You know, it would be true, but you still don't say it. It's basically Tyler Boyd was saying, we broke them. Not that, not, not this happened or or factually, this is where the ball went. No, we broke them. They gave up. They're weak minded. That's what he's saying when he says a quote like that. So despite all this motivation, the Steelers are just not good. And for anybody who's been listening to the podcast, this is basically what we've been saying the whole year is this. The Steelers have major holes in a lot of places. We already knew last year that the offensive line was in big trouble, and then they didn't sign or draft anybody who could be considered an upgrade or anybody who could even be considered anything other than a roll of the dice or a project, a fourth-round tackle in Dan Moore, who's played like garbage all season. Then again, what fourth-round tackle gets plugged into a starting lineup and doesn't play like garbage? That That's not what you expect a fourth-round guy to do. Kendrick Green, third-round guard who's transitioning to center. Uh, he's known as being an undersized guy. I take him some time to transition to the NFL. That's okay. That's to be expected. Uh, should they have picked up a guy in free agency? There weren't a ton of options at, at good price points, especially for a team that was a little salary cap strapped. And then should they have drafted someone earlier? Yeah, I guess you say you could have taken Creed Humphrey, this or that, but not really. Creed Humphrey was not considered a first-round prospect, the center who's playing well for the Chiefs. I've seen a lot of people identify that guy. I mean, I guess they had a second chance at him, right, in the second round, if I'm not incorrect. Maybe that's where they had the you know, the issue. But then again, Fryermuth has turned out to be a really good guy. All I'm saying is whether it was their fault or not, they didn't improve anything on the offensive line. There's things to be scared about. When you lose two-thirds of the defensive line and to it and Alu-Alu at the beginning of the year, that's going to be a lot for anybody to come overcome. The way we were looking at this year is this. Hey, there's no way the Steelers are going to start out hot because there are too many young guys. There are too many aspects of the team that need seasoning. We said we're going to hold out judgment till about halfway through the year and the few years that surround the midway point of the season. Well, that time has come. The Steelers really haven't improved. They're the same team that we've watched, not just for the past six, seven, eight games, but for the past three years, really ever since Ben got hurt, really ever since that Saints game that I keep talking about when that was AB's last game for the Steelers with his three touchdowns. Then he went off the face of the earth in terms of becoming a crazy boy, even more than usual, didn't play for the Steelers again. And the Steelers have just been struggling ever since then. They've been getting blown off of the ball. They haven't been able to mount any sort of offense past some unbelievably clunky, we're going to go for three yards at a time kind of approach. And that's where they're at right now. We pointed out a couple games ago that, hey, the Steelers had three consecutive games 
where they improved on the offensive side of the ball. And then this Chargers game, they improved. But honestly, when you're looking at it, and, and we pointed this out, so this isn't looking back and, you know, with the different colored glasses on. Like, they improved for their standards. And their standards were the worst offense we had seen in maybe a decade. And they improved. So we liked the way that they played against the Chargers. And they did play well. They did play better. They made plays that we hadn't seen them make before. That being said, they barely even had 300 total yards of offense. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we were pointing out that they were improving a little bit and that wasn't wrong, but it just seems to be too little too late. And this is kind of who they are as the Bengals score another 30, 40 yard touchdown. Damn it. Who is that? Higgins. That's another one for him right there. So it looks like it's going to be 41 to three at the time of recording to this uh, time of recording this podcast right now. Unless he's down at the one. Although they'll probably finish it off, let's be honest. Okay, so back to the overall global points here. I'm not going to analyze the game that much because I think we really are at a bit of a turning point here. And, and the nail is a bit in the coffin for the Steelers. We've been scared of this for the past year or two. We've been cautious. I said I'm looking at this year as a building year. Here's what worries me. There's not a lot of building going on. There's not a ton of bright spots with young players on the roster, even though there are a few. Najee, of course, even though they don't want to give him the ball right now. Uh, Pat Fryermuth has done some good things. Deontay Johnson seems to have taken a little step forward. Chase Claypool, he just is who he is, right? I mean, he's the same guy, although I still hold out some hope that he can improve. But, you know, that was on full display today with him falling down on long routes and, and not being on the same page as Ben Roethlisberger. But he's a good player, especially when you get the ball in his hands closer to the line of scrimmage. I'm just worried that these linemen haven't showed anything and that the Steelers, even if they lose, you know, 80% of the rest of their games, which they have done for the past few years. So by the way, before anybody says that's not likely it, Hey, it's been happening every year. It probably is more likely than not that they're going to have a losing record over the final skid here. Even with that, they're still going to be kind of in the middle of the draft order. So you're not able to just load up on blue chip prospects and I guess what I'm trying to say is the Steelers are, are staring down a potential dark age here. And it's not a guaranteed dark age, but what is guaranteed is this. They, they can't even look that much better next year. I mean, how much can change? You need some serious talent influx to this roster. If we want to talk about this Bengals game in particular, the number one theme of the game is this. The offensive and defensive line got absolutely blown off the ball on every single snap of the game. And we had already written that point up in our podcast outline before the halftime interview with Mike Tomlin, where he said the same thing. We're getting blown off the line of scrimmage. We can't talk about anything else in the game until we fix that. Because if we talk about anything else, it's useless. And by the way, this isn't a new thing. They've been getting blown off the ball in every game. Think back to Alex Collins for the Seahawks running all over the Steelers when they were running 10 out of 11 plays with Geno Smith in the game, no threat of the pass, third string running back who's been all over the NFL at this point, and the Steelers still can't stop them. This has been going on for a while. I mean, look at the the Browns in the playoff game last year. They got blown off the ball there. Something is up. And maybe this is finally the year when Keith Butler, the luckiest man in all of professional sports, gets fired. We know that at this point, I think 
it's pretty fair to assume the reason why he has a job is because Mike Tomlin actually controls a lot more of the defense than many head coaches do. I think that that has saved Butler in past years. But with how bad they've been right now, maybe the Steelers will fire Butler. It it will rely on what is the Rooney's train of thought here. Are they ready to make a little bit bigger of a shakeup than they have before? And is Mike Tomlin uh, not so prideful as to, well, is, is Mike Tomlin humble enough to realize that maybe he's not the guy to be calling shots for this defense because they do have some talent back there. Beep, beep, beep. I interrupt our regularly scheduled programming to revise one of my earlier statements. This might be the actual worst Steelers loss I've witnessed. It's 41 to three. Officially, it's 41 to three. This is bad. Very bad. But, man, maybe this kind of thing. You almost wish that it happened in the final game of the season. It kind of sucks that they still have to play more, but maybe this kind of thing really spurs the Steelers to the actions, like finding a you know a good defensive coordinator, or, you know, making some changes that way. But there are so many things that the Steelers uh, cannot control that they need to do to get to get right. So let's let's talk about this in more of a structured manner. Number one, it's the trenches, man. Uh, it's the trenches. It's very bad. The offensive line is terrible. They don't have any talent. They don't have any pedigree. They're going to need to to hit some home runs in the trenches in this offseason. That's got to be within the first two rounds of the draft. There is no more cute. Let's take a running back. Let's take a tight end. Hey, look, when you look back at this draft, taking Najee at that spot, I guess we'll never know if Tevin Jenkins wouldn't have gotten injured for the Steelers versus playing for the Bears, this or that. But right now, it doesn't look like there was a bona fide first-round offensive lineman there. Maybe it doesn't matter, though. Maybe that's still more valuable of a pick. I guess we'll we'll never know. But this year, it's non-negotiable. You got to take one within the first two rounds, and you got to sign someone, and preferably someone to to a long-term because you can't even really improve as a team with an offensive line this horrible. Like, how are you going to evaluate the rest of the players? It's tough right now. So number one priority, they have to hit some home runs, at least one or two in the trenches through the draft and through free agency on the offensive side of the ball this off season. Secondarily, the defense, the front, the front seven of the defense has some encouraging things, but they got to worry too. So much of this defense and so much of the front seven is sincerely just Cameron Hayward, who at this point is moving his way up into first ballot Hall of Fame status. I know he won't get that first ballot, but he's he's turned into that kind of player. The defense, especially playing today without TJ at his full strength, you're really seeing a lot of this defense is just covered up. Uh, by a few superstars, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and then Minka Fitzpatrick, who's had a lot of uh, struggles this year, but he does clearly cover up for a ton in the back end. He did have a nice interception today, his first one of the season. Woohoo, got it. But, you know, Highsmith, he's taken some strides forward, maybe not as many as we we hoped at the beginning of the offseason, but he, but he has played well this year. So hopefully he's another guy that you have in the middle. To it, look, we're going to have to look into the financials here. He seems like a guy that you cut bait with after this year. The guy's missed more games than he's played over the past few years. I know people are going to be looking at Philadelphia and seeing Javon Hargrave and saying, damn it, if we just kept Hargrave, look, that's hindsight 2020 stuff. There's no way you were going to let Cam Hayward go uh, during that time. And with to it, 
you know, that would have been an extremely bold move to let him go as well, especially when in his first year gone, when, when Hargrave was gone last year to it as his best year, period. It was maybe the Steelers defensive MVP, which is crazy. So they just got unlucky with some injuries or, you know, maybe some of the mental health issues that, that to it's having. We're not totally sure what the combination is there uh, for him. That just unfortunately didn't work out well. I don't look at that as mismanagement, but I don't know if you can count on him to play in the future. So that being said, you're one Cam Hayward away from having a crappy defensive line because it looks like the Devin Bush pick has a high chance of being a bust. And once again, I know people want to be mad about that. The Steelers have not taken that many busts in the first round or, you know, really in the first two rounds. I know we can look at Jarvis Jones, but that wasn't a bona fide top 10 type of guy like Devin Bush was. That was a, we're the Steelers, we're desperate to get an outside linebacker and we draft for need. And that's how they ended up with Jarvis. That's how they ended up with a non-first round player in Artie Burns and a non-first round player in Terrell Edmonds. All three of those guys, various levels of busts. I mean, Terrell Edmonds, not, not quite a bust, but clearly not worth a first or second round draft pick that way. So the Bush thing, again, unfortunate, but we're looking at where they're at. The Steelers have massive problems in both trenches. That is not a one-year fix, but the, you know it, it can be fixed. It's just going to take a few years, and that's why this game is particularly disappointing. I mean, they embarrassed themselves against the Bengals. This is humiliating, and to, to do it against one of the Ohio teams that you've owned for so long, who is young and has a superstar quarterback and skill position players and appears to be ascending and on the rise. Yeah, that's tough. You're sort of eating your medicine after 20 years of just mowing these teams over. And that's all right. That's the circle of life in the NFL. But I guess it's just a little bit scary because they have so much work to do in the trenches. The wide receivers, look, Claypool, even since I pressed pause on this recording, he had a gorgeous catch in between three people on the sidelines where he high pointed the ball. He did juggle it needlessly, as we know, but then it came down with it and then ripped somebody's helmet off with their face mask and taunted the sideline down 38-3, to immediately gets a penalty, then hits him directly in the chest for a 20-yard pass on the next play. It bounces off his chest plate. You know, the the, the Claypool coaster continues. But, you know, Deontay, Fryermuth, hopefully, you know, Najee, these seem like legit guys. Obviously, you have TJ Watt. That's exciting. Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I know it hasn't been as awesome as it's been in the past years, but that's still a really young guy who's really good. So they do have a couple players, but man, that's that's not a, it's not a ton, but that is some good blue chip type dudes that you have there. So just a disappointing loss from that standpoint. Another thing that this game showed us is that corner is a massive need. And some of us have been talking about this throughout the course of the season, and maybe it's become more obvious now, but the Steelers didn't have a single cornerback who could even line up with the Bengals' third receiver. When you talk about Jamar Chase, who's awesome, you know, that guy has potential at making a run at being the best receiver in the league or being like a blue chip, top 10, top five type of guy. And then Tyler Boyd and Higgins, who are both really solid players, the Steelers don't have a guy who can cover any of them. And so... That really makes you realize, man, Hayward and Watt and those guys were covering up for so much. Because if you don't get the pressure there, you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow 
who's going to make the throws to those guys, you can't cover any of them, it's going to be a completion. And no matter the down and distance, I mean, they were converting third and 12 like it was nothing today. I don't think, weirdly, that the Steelers' corner situation is as dire as it was right before they got Joe Hayden, where they, you know, were playing unplayable guys like Antoine Blake and Ross Cockrell, who obviously has carved out a niche for himself down in Tampa Bay, but he is a fourth corner, third, fourth corner kind of guy. I do think Sutton, you know, has shown some good things. Pierre, it's not been good. I mean, he got mossed in this game, but I do have hope that maybe those guys could evolve to become William Gay type of corners. It's not a Pro Bowl guy, but William Gay and Ike Taylor took you know, five, six, seven years to develop to be reliable type of guys. So I don't think that the guys they have now are total trash. Arthur Mollette, I don't know what's in the plans for him. He can't cover, but damn, he can really cover the run. I don't know where that puts you at a certain point. But um, long story short, they're going to need some guys in that back end as well. So I guess the next thing is to look forward at how they're going to turn this around and, you know, what comes next for the Steelers. And besides the obvious one that, oh, yeah, there's another position called quarterback that they're going to have to worry about. But before we get to that, let me get to the odds, baby. The odds at my bookie. It's back. My bookie's back, everybody. It's not every day that you can double your money, but my bookie is going to let you instantly double your initial deposit into the site so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Soothe your pain with betting and winning money at MyBookie. Use the promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie, and they'll double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Look, this is the kookiest, craziest year of the NFL so far. There have been upsets galore. There have been weird scores. You're going to want to get in on that roller coaster at MyBookie. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Symbol. Look, we told you about Symbol, you guys. S I M B U L L. It's the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. Are you going to profit off the fact that the Steelers might be on their way to a third or fourth consecutive, fourth consecutive second half of the season collapse? I hope that you wouldn't. I hope that you'd pick another team to bet on or off. But either way, on Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your teams win or lose, you earn cash. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use that promo code SD, like sports drink, SD to make your deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite sports teams. You probably want to buy stocks, stock in the bucks. Ugh. Spotify Green Room, everybody. It's a live audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, insiders, and anybody else you may want to talk about regarding sports in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, react, reacting to breaking news. Look, it's been a weird social world ever since COVID. It's fun to kick it and chop shop with like-minded individuals who also have passion about the same stuff that we have passion about, which is sports. And Spotify Greenroom is the free audio-only social media platform that really can bring sports to fans together in that way. 
You can watch the games together. You can react to the news. You can think about rumors. You can spread random rumors that may not even be true. Maybe you call yourself an insider. Either way, all you need to do is download download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Alrighty, what is the next move for the Steelers? We've talked about this so much, even through last offseason. The first thing that's coming to my mind today is, oh crap, they have more holes than you would think, but they don't have the draft kind of capital that the Jaguars have, but they also don't have the total desert of good players like the Jaguars have. The first thing that came to my mind today is maybe there are some ruthless cuts that need to be made. You know, the Stefan Tuitz, maybe not re-signing Terrell Edmonds, who clearly has earned another contract, but is this where you save some dollars here or there? I don't know. I don't know how you are going to approach that. Generally, the Steelers will not do anything that even remotely starts to enter the arena of tanking and and letting go of a Terrell Edmonds, who's probably an affordable player at an important position where you could keep him with Mika Fitzpatrick, even though he doesn't really have the versatility to do any of those things. That wouldn't really be a Steelers move. But I guess that's all I'm trying to say is I wonder what kind of moves will be made. I hope that Ben makes the right decision and, 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 and retires after this year. I do have a feeling that they won't push him out and he might want to play again because there's always another reason for him to play until his arms literally fall off on the football field. If they do well, it's, hey, I need to come back to finish this business. We might be able to have a drone betta situation. Our team is good enough where I could ride off into the sunset. Or if they get embarrassed like they did against the Cleveland Browns last year in the playoffs, it's, hey, I'm not going out like that. I mean, he even said as much on his Bigger Than Ben documentary series on YouTube. So I hope he does make the decision just because clearly he wasn't good against the Bengals. But look, by the time he started making all of his biggest mistakes, the defense had already given up three touchdown drives of over 75 yards. It was like 75, 75, and 84. I mean, they were just getting blown off all over the place. And uh, yeah, it wasn't going well, but it, it just, look, man. Like we said, there's a ways to go. Hopefully he retires. They take some of that, the little money that he's making right now off the books and they can get to finding a new QB. I don't know if they're going to be able to find that QB this next season. There is so much competition for these quarterbacks and the draft class isn't that great. You know, I finally watched Kenny Pickett play. I watched, um, you know, the Syracuse game, the condensed version on YouTube. And yeah, I know we love him. He's a pit guy, but that's not a, I, I've only watched one game. I need to watch more. To me, I didn't see a bona fide first round quarterback. I saw some things that were impressive. Like he's much more sudden and and jumpy in the pocket than I would have predicted. And he has some nice zip on the balls when he throws short passes, but that's basically all he did against Syracuse. And I know that the rush was getting to him. Uh, when I did see him attempt a few 20, 30 yard passes, the ball did take a minute to get there. And you guys, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my stance on quarterbacks. You better be a genius like Mac Jones or Drew Brees, who only came in the NFL about 20 years apart from each other. So there's been two of those guys. Or you need to have a very strong arm. It's, it's a critical element. Name me one other great quarterback who doesn't have a very strong arm. They do. Even if you think like, oh, if they're not Matt Stafford or Aaron Rodgers, like Brady's arm is killer. Ben's arm is killer. Hell, even Flacco can throw the ball, you know? So it's just, uh, it, it might be a weird year to even get a quarterback with all the competition that's out there. The Saints are going to want one. The Broncos want one. Washington wants a quarterback. So many teams want a quarterback. And 
the musical chairs may not end in Pittsburgh this year, especially if the Steelers falter down the stretch. Now, if they could somehow pull their crap together and win a bunch of games over the end of the year, then yeah, maybe you can lure Russell Wilson in. But this just feels like a harbinger of bad things to come. This type of embarrassing loss like we've never seen before from the Steelers to the Bengals at this critical moment when it was put up or shut up time and the Steelers respond like this, that's bad news. And if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm not going to want to come here in the middle of that kind of you know, action. So I'm not sure what they're going to do about the quarterback, but hey, maybe it's a blessing in disguise because a bunch of people scramble for Matt Corral and, and Kenny Pickett and and by the way, I'm going to watch Kenny Pickham more. Like, I, I definitely saw things that said, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. I mean, he's sudden, he's coordinated, he has good pocket presence. I liked what I saw there, but um, it wasn't anything that really wowed me. It, albeit in one tiny watch, right? So I got to watch him again. But maybe other teams will scoop up these quarterbacks that we wouldn't necessarily be that excited about, and the Steelers will have less competition in the following year to grab somebody. Okay, they'll have some money. I think in order to have the, the big salary cap, space that everybody anticipated before the TJ Watt signing. I think they would need to make some, some surprise cuts that way. And I don't know if they'll do that or not, like I said, but they should be able to sign some sort of people. And you just want to sign good role players. You want to sign D'Angelo Williams type guys, you know, um, it's, it's not a great economic prospect to sign huge money dudes because yeah, that, that it's just, it's, it's hard to work like that. But they will have more money than they're used to. Not sure how the rest of the season is going to go. I would think that the Steelers will still fight. But they'll be in the middle of the draft order, which isn't ideal, but it's not as bad as being in the 20s, where a lot of times the blue chip guys kind of run out after 15 or so. So they'll do that. They need to take a long, hard look at their coordinators. I have been encouraged with the Steelers leadership over the past five or six years, the first, you know, real evolution I saw from them was when they, the, the off season, when they signed Joe Hayden traded for Vance McDonald, and then later started trading up in the draft to get people. They traded for Bush, they traded for Minka and they became more aggressive. I think the Steelers and the green Bay Packers are the two old school teams who are set in their ways. They're going to build through the draft. And I think that the, the Packers waited a few too many years uh, to get, to evolve the way the Steelers did. I think that if the Packers were more aggressive in the past few years, they'd have at least another Super Bowl appearance at this point because the the past two rosters that they've taken to the NFC Championship game, you know, there was more meat on that bone, I feel like, especially with Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and who knows what you think about Odell Beckham Jr., but there have been star players available that they don't even really make an attempt at. Uh, they only offered Odell the veteran minimum. It just came out today that, he was between them and the Rams, but they didn't want to offer anything about the veteran minimum, not even freaking million, you know, $2 million or whatever. And I guess I'm just using that as an example of saying, I know that the Steelers haven't been good about changing coordinators, but I've seen enough signs over the past five or six years of the Steelers being willing to modernize their process that I'll say that's not out of the, out of the question, right? And it seems to be easier than ever to get QBs. I mean, just look at, how well Carson Wentz is playing in Indianapolis. I know we want to joke about it. And I guess he's just one of those guys where like, look, you're going to see the boneheaded spinorama left-handed interception every once in a while. But I believe today it said that he's, he's fifth 
in turnover worthy plays. And I think his numbers bear that out as well. He hasn't turned over the ball that much and he's been playing great against the Buccaneers today. And overall he's been playing very well. He's not the MVP guy they thought he was. He's not a Ben Roethlisberger, but that team is really good. And and those kind of guys are, are circulating and there's better quarterbacks coming out than ever. And maybe Kenny Pickett and these type of guys are, are a quarterback like that where 10 years ago, if you didn't have an elite quarterback, you kind of had nothing. Now there's all kinds of guys. There's Derek Carrs and Ryan Tannehill's where you could build a full team around them and, and get something done. So that is not quite as daunting as it, as it used to be. Um, it just might be a little tricky when the Steelers don't, uh, you know, they're never going to pick in the top five or whatever, but I guess never say never. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's discouraging. I think that the theme of this podcast last year, this year has been wait till around the midway point. We'll tell you what this team can do. I think we, we kind of know that at this point now, right? I won't be surprised if they upset somebody else along the way, but you know, they just don't have that much juice. Look at the offensive line. Just take a possession or two every game and only look at the line. Don't follow the ball. You'll see the problem. And I mean defensive line and offensive line. On the defensive line, you'll see this one truck carrying about eight eight offensive players, and that's Cameron Hayward. But if you don't look at him, it's pretty bad, right? But the other thing we wanted to look at is, hey, just let's find out if some of these young guys become players. And it's been frustrating with the lines. But in all honesty, you have two potential stars in Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. You got a guy in Deontay Johnson who seems to have solidified himself as like, hey, this this might be a legit number one receiver. He's had two, three good years where he's gotten better every year. That's a big deal. He's very young. He seems like the kind of guy whose body and work ethic could stand the test of time to those little guys can generally have long careers. Look at AB and Emmanuel Sanders. Loudermilk has been okay on defense. It's not as it's not enough to to really get excited about, but it is something to look at. And other than that, <laughs> we need we need one or two more guys for the end of the season. So we will keep our eye out, our eyes out, and, and hopefully we see some of that improvement over the second half of the season. But there are a lot of ways to get good players. There are more ways for the Steelers in this coming off season to get good players. They'll have a higher draft spot most likely, and they will have more money than they have before. It's not like they're going to be flush with cash, but they will have more than they've ever had. And they have done a great job of bringing talent into the building over this decade or two. So all hope is not lost. This is a bummer. This sucks. This was miserable. I just look forward to the day when the Steelers are fun to watch again, because these games are boring as hell. And damn it, I've had enough of it, but I'm ready to stomach some more of it if that's what must be done before the Steelers uh, climb back to glory. I hope they fight their way through these final games. I hope they win some games that they're not supposed to. I think that'll go a long way for team morale. Um, I always respect that about Ben and Tomlin, how they continue fighting, and they got to pass that tradition down to this next group of Steelers. Obviously, they did not do that the first time they played the Bengals. That was a little freaky, seeing those young players drop the ball over and over again with nobody on them. That was a little freaky. They got to take the rest of the season to pass down the Steeler way of never dying. Never die. But for now, I'm going to sign off on, on this negative podcast. But there's a lot of stuff to look at, and there's a lot of fun to be had in terms of analyzing a football team and can the Steelers work their way out of a position they really haven't been in and like feels like 20 30 freaking years right 
But they got some pieces to work with, and they got us to talk about it. They got us to watch them. Follow us on Twitter, at Steelers Outpost. Email us, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. We'll be watching either way. Until next week, go Steelers. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. JJ has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine.